1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Heavenly Father, we look to you, the author of love. We look to you, you are love. Father, we come to you with the offering of our lives. And Father, it is but stinky fish and insufficient bread for the task that you have placed before us, for the, for the people who need fed. There's so many. There's so many hurting. There's so many lost. We bring this offering. We bring ourselves and we place ourselves in your hand. And we say, Father, have your way. Break our hearts as yours breaks for this world, for the people who you long to bring in to your fold. Everyone, that none should perish. Father, we cannot conjure up God love our own selves in our own lives. Father, pour it out. Pour it out upon the hearts of your people. Father, in ourselves, there's no love like yours, but that which you pour out unto us. Father, and so we ask that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out your love, the love for the world upon the hearts of these people. Father, these people here and now are your hands, are your feet. They are light and salt that will go out from this place. They're not coming in in droves yet. They will when we go out and we take the love of the Father to them. We can't pretend to love. We can't try to love. It has to be a love that comes from heaven that is, you know, you know it is not of you. You know it is not of you. It is a mandate of the Holy Spirit. It fills you up so quickly. It hijacks your day. It hijacks your thoughts. You can't get it out of your mind. And you know that it is of heaven. That is the cry of our heart this morning. That must be the cry of every follower of Christ. We have got to seek his heart. We have got to seek his heart, his plans, his purposes, his supply. This isn't about self-improvement. This isn't about self-improvement. This isn't about being kinder. This isn't about being more loving. It's about plugging into the supply of heaven, pressing in, pressing into the heart of God, knowing that outside of it, without his supply every day, without his supply, we are nothing and we can do nothing. That's right. We need him. We need his presence to get our feet on his path, to meet the dying and the hurting and the broken, to be his hands and feet, his Holy Spirit directing us, 
guiding us, filling us, filling us. Father, in all this I pray in the mighty, mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fill your people. Thank you, Lord. Father, fill your people. Thank you, Lord. Fill your people you, with a love mm. like they have never known. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Let them feel it. Let them sense it. Let them see it. Let it drive them. Father, let us be driven by nothing but the love of the Father poured out. Let it be the only thing that drives us. In Jesus' name. The word says that there's no greater love than one who would lay down their life. And we're about to partake in communion. That very representation of his body broken, his blood shed. His perfect love for you and for me. In Matthew 27, it says this. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the separation from God the Father that Jesus was experiencing. In verse 47, it says, some of those who stood there, when they heard it, they said, this man is calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, just let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. And he yielded up his spirit. And this is the key verse. I put it in bold because I feel like it's just yelling out to us. It says, Then, then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Do you understand what Jesus did on the cross? There is physical power in it. There is power in the spiritual realm. There is power in the physical realm. You understand that the veil of that temple, how thick it was for the power of God to, just like that, to split it, just like that. Rocks to be broken. Chains to be broken. All for you. All for me. For that love. No greater love than laying down his life for us. The veil torn. The veil torn. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, we're going to celebrate that. We're going to recognize that. We're going to remember that. We're going to reflect on that. So if you haven't been here before, how we do in communion right now is if you're in this section or this section, I ask that you come down the aisle right here in front of the table. Same over here. Then once you get your communion elements, just circle back to the outside and have a seat again, or actually, actually stay standing with us, we would prefer. But don't take the communion elements yet. We'll come back up here, and we'll partake together as a church family. So let us come to the table of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Word says, For I receive from the Lord that which 
I also deliver to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took the bread. We had given thanks. He broke it. And He said, Take, eat. This is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, as often as you drink of it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. So, Father, as we continue to worship, we continue to press into you. Father, I thank you for the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection. Father, we turn our faces to you. We seek you. We worship you. We thank you for what you've done on that precious cross. And we thank you for your resurrection. We worship you. Let's worship our King of Kings. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. The moment that I wake up Till I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness of God I don't keep talking to to interrupt your worship But we all have to talk about something just real quick And we're going to go back into that song Why are we singing about the goodness of God? Because people need reminded But church, let me just tell you something We've got to get it We've got to get it planted so we can move on God's goodness doesn't change. It doesn't change with our circumstances. It doesn't change with how well we did yesterday or the day before. It doesn't change with our sin. And the repentance is always the path back to God. His goodness doesn't change. We have got to become established in the, in the elementary things of the faith. I am so overwhelmed this morning. I am so overwhelmed by the word assignment. Church, we've got to understand We've got to understand that God's heart is for the lost. It's for the lost. And we were lost, and now we're found. And once we are found, we are expected to grow. We are expected to begin to take the milk of the word. We are expected to overcome. We are expected to grow from milk to meat. We are expected to become established in the goodness of God so that every wind and every wave that comes doesn't knock us down, doesn't throw us into doubt. We have to put doubt to bed. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords, and He loves you. Get over it. Receive it. Walk in it. Let's be done. Let's cast aside and throw aside all of the doubt, all of the insecurity, all of it, the self doubt, the self, the self insecurity. It's not about us. 
We are secure and safe in him, in him. We sing about his goodness because we need reminded. We need reminded, but church, we need to grow. The world doesn't know. And how will they know unless we go out? And how can we go out if we're so wrapped up in wondering ourselves, is he really good? Does he really love me? Could he love someone like me? The answer is yes. Yes. Every lie, right now in the name of Jesus, every lie that would come against the knowledge of God, we take captive. We take it into captivity and we make it submit to the knowledge of God. We, sub, we, we bind it in the name of Jesus, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I release, I declare and decree over every member of this church body, wholeness, healed, safe, secure in the Father's love. He has an assignment for you that only you can do. We will stand before him someday. His love for you is not contingent on your completing your assignment. But I'll tell you what, someday I want to stand before him knowing that I left it all on the field. I did it all. I did it all. I fought every battle. I brought every wound to him. I brought every insecurity to his feet so that he could wrap me up in his goodness and in his love. And I took ground. That I took ground in Jesus' name. That there were souls that were going to hell for all eternity, but God, but God sent me, sent me a stinky fish. And he blessed me and he broke me and he multiplied me and sent me out. And that's what he wants to do with you. If we will not go, who will go? We have an assignment. Every one of you, you have an assignment to a lost and hurting world. And I just imagine, I imagine, maybe it's Reinhard Bonnke again, plundering hell for the kingdom of God. Plundering hell, ripping souls that are doomed and pulling them out in the name of Jesus. Let us sing about the goodness of God, but let us press into him, into his love and his mercy and his goodness. We must grow up spiritually. We must put aside the doubt. We must get the assignment and we must go in Jesus' name. I will not interrupt you again. <laughs> Worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your goodness follows us. Surely goodness and mercy. Your word says that goodness and mercy follows us every day of our life. Mm. It's not dependent on whether or not we read the Bible that morning or whether we spent 30 seconds in prayer or two hours in prayer. For your word says, your goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
revelation of his faithfulness and of his goodness. I'll talk louder. Revelation of his faithfulness and of his goodness. You know you're growing in it when a circumstance comes up and instead of saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You say, ooh, I wonder what he's going to do. What's he going to do? There's a sense of expectation. There's a sense of excitement. There's not a sense of false responsibility, of drivenness, of panic or fear. What are people going to think? They're going to think God is faithful and God is good and that we know it and we walk in it. His faithfulness and his goodness are unshakable, are unshakable. And so often in the Psalms, I love it. I love it because David, love this guy. I love him. I mean, I love him. He doesn't hide anything. He hides nothing. But after he laments, there's lamenting. There's even like, what are you doing? When he gets it all out, he reminds himself of the faithful works of the Lord. He reminds himself. He begins to list psalm after psalm. But you, O God, you have conquered You have come to my rescue. You are the one who saves. He reminds himself of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And it pulls him out of the pit of lament. Pulls him out of the pit of worry and fear. And it puts him on the rock. To confirm that word, I kept thinking this morning it was Psalm 51, Psalm 51. And as I opened it up, Lord was like, nope, it's not there. It's in Psalm 60-something. And so I just started flipping up here, waiting to see what jumped out. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to speak? And it was Psalm 62. Listen to this. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, church. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And it ends like this. Well, verse 8 says this, Trust in Him. At all times, you people. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Talking to myself here too. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for confirming Your Word to us. Thank You for Your encouragement, Your exhortation. Father, we rest in You. Our confidence is in You. We thank You that Your goodness and Your mercy follows us every single day. Father, we rest in you today. We rest in you today. May our striving be gone. May our want to please others be gone, but to only please you. Father, we just want to please you. 
because your goodness follows us every day. So Lord, as we close this time, we thank you for being with us. We thank you that your presence is with us. We thank you, Father, for your glory, which is the transforming power in our midst this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.